Welcome back, children of the revolution, to what you're not listening to, the award-winning audio educational and anthology series. <laughs> it still hasn't sunk in yet. Here on AceSpadesPDX.com, and I'm still your all-around monkey bear, Daddy Ben Bear, Ben Brown Jr., your host, show producer, webmaster, audio engineer, researcher, videographer, and writer, doing it all here on the DIY, and today's show comes by very special request of Barbara from Des Moines, Iowa. She wanted a program about summer. She wasn't really specific, so I decided to take a little liberty. Hey! <laughs> and before we begin... I know I've been starting off these shows, uh, you know, now that I've won this award and just in the last few weeks, like the number of people who've been contacting me is uh, fantastic. It's outrageous. And I, I don't even know how or why they're finding out about it, but I'm grateful to all of you. And yes, um, there was a, a chemotherapy agent I was taking that I have stopped. Um, I've been on chemo before. That was five years ago. And uh, I've decided to see if I can't... Um, I'm not a good candidate for surgery this time. I, chemo was one of the worst things I've ever been through. I don't know if I could literally, physically, mentally, or emotionally handle it again. Um, but there was some light on the horizon. Uh, my can- colon cancer has not returned to date. So uh, that was the scariest of them all. And uh, let's just be grateful for little victories. And the other two, my anal cancer and my dermal cancer, um, have come back and they're still growing. So uh, I might be a candidate for that. And I'll know at the end of the month. And... Uh, as much as I know there are people like, I'm so sorry, and I'm, and, I, and I'm grateful to that. Don't think that I'm not, and don't think that I'm appreciative of your kind words. But I have a fantastic care team. I have fantastic facilities. I have top-notch people working uh, towards my health, and I have love at home with family and friends. Um, and so if I was going to say anything, take that energy and let's try and do what we can in the following year to end health inequalities because there's so many people who don't even have a fraction of the access that I have and um, I don't take it for granted. Alrighty, now let us all the way and thank you very much. Let's get to the real reason we're all here. And um, this, this, this lady, this badass lady, and uh, she's gone by a lot of titles. First Lady of Love, Queen of Disco, whatever. I prefer to think of her as Queen of the Doubles. The 1970s were the era of the multi-vinyl LP package. Forget what you think you know or remember about this time, because no one was more successful at this format than the most unlikely of music giants of the era, a black woman from Boston named Donna Summer. I say it often because it may be the most honest thing I can actually say about the so-called me decade. It was what it was, and it was the 70s. In this decade, the music industry exploded in ways most in the entertainment industry thought would never happen. Much of this fueled initially by marginalized populations often left out of the equation. As recording and touring became very lucrative, record companies started experimenting with new formats for popular acts, much like they did uh, back in the 50s and 60s with the advent of the 10-inch, then 12-inch vinyl LP. With advancements in recording technology, the dominance of multi-channel stereo recordings, and the superior quality of home car stereos, as well as the massive rise of FM radio further fueling this rapid expansion. By and large, the newest fad, if you will, was the double or triple LP. It got its start in the mid-60s with acts like Bob Dylan, Frank Zappa, and the Beatles, further continuing into the 70s with even George Harrison at the Fab Four releasing two consecutive triple albums in the span of about a year. When talk of classic multi-album sets in the 70s were mentioned, there are the usual suspects. The Allman Brothers, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, The Rolling Stones, uh, Peter Frampton, etc., which were all white, male music acts or led by white men. And then along came a woman from Boston who originally was a rock and roll singer in a group called Crow, who also happened to be in a European touring production of the rock musical Hair. LaDonna Adrian Gaines, who would take the stage name Donna Summer. 
Her initial fame came from the songwriting production team of Italian-born Giorgio Moroder and British-born Pete Bellot, who were based in Munich, Germany, whom she met while doing session work. I think it was for Three Dog Night, if I'm not mistaken. By chance, Maroder went to the president of the struggling U.S. independent label Casablanca Records, founded by Neil Bogart, a man with an impressive resume in pop recordings who was once even featured on the cover of Time magazine. After an initially successful single, the steamy Love to Love You Baby, the hits were not forthcoming for two more years. But Bogart knew he had something special in summer and was patient with the trio as they crafted album after album of slowly more successful dance recordings that were based in electronic music. You have to remember, this was also the era where labels would often groom and support artists for long-term careers. By the end of 77, their hard work paid off. Like many others in the music business of the decade, um, she found her first initial fame with a live recording, Live and More. This was the second consecutive double LP of material Summer had released and her first of three consecutive number one Billboard Top LPs that were also double albums. The latter makes Summer the only artist in history to achieve this feat. Each one contained over 70 minutes of music, perfect for the dance floor or your party at home. Bogart also plays Summer in a critically maligned film, Thank God It's Friday, with a soundtrack that in some territories was a double LP, and in others a double LP with a bonus 12-inch vinyl one-sided single. If it sounds like excess, it was. Paul Stanley of Kiss, another major Casablanca act, and the undisputed kings of 70s rock and roll touring and recording excess, said this about Bogart. Neil would spend money just to spend money. (laughs) Must be nice. In the two-year period we cover here, from late 77 to late 79, Summer was simply a leviathan on the charts, and the public could not get enough of her. By 1980, she left the label and embarked on a career that veered from disco to other forms of dance music, tort songs, and pop recordings, but for a while, it seemed that the party would never stop. And we're going to be kicking off uh, our show here, a very full show. And with two songs uh, from the same album. And I remember when they came out in, uh, it was uh, early early to mid-1979. Because they came out almost simultaneously. And uh, both hit number one. And for a while, both were in the top five. And you got to check this out. So, you know, the Grammy Awards, uh, the people at NARIS, National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, added two new categories in 1980 to represent uh, works from 1979. Best Rock Vocal Female and Best Rock uh, vocal male. Those categories no longer exist. There's only one genderless uh, category for it now. Has been since 2005. Well, the very first uh, rock male vocal category Grammy went to Bob Dylan. Of course, it went to Bob Dylan because it's Bob. And the female was Donna Summer, which made her the very first artist of color in any of any gender to win a Grammy Award in this category. And um, she's one of only a handful of people, Prince and Michael Jackson or others, along with Tina Turner, who who are people of color who've actually won this award. And I can tell you this right now. So I'm working part-time at a grocery store in the middle of the night, and I'm just jamming to the engineering sessions for this. And I know uh, it's quarter to two in the morning. I'm scaring little animals, and all my coworkers are going like, what the hell? And I'm going, hey! This song puts me in literally the best possible mood ever. From 1979, from the album Bad Girls, Hot Stuff and Bad Girls. And we will uh, see you at about the half hour mark.
Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to What You're Not Listening To here on Ace of Spades PDX. And today we're looking at Queen of the Doubles for the very first day of summer. Yes, June 21st, 2021. And uh, of course, right, here we are. And uh, with uh, the badass lady herself. I said that already. Yeah, I'm going to probably say it again because she really was all that and a bag of chips. Like the kettle chips that I like, you know, with the Winko that Travis hates because they're too hard. They're great with sour cream and onion dip. I'm sorry, I digress. All right. <laughs> Food and music. Wow. <laughs> hey, G <gee>, man. <laughs> Way to stretch out there. <laughs> Let's recap what we've heard in the first part of our program, shall we? Kick it all off with hot stuff. And hot stuff um, was not uh, done by the, uh, the trio of. Um, Ballant, Marauder, and uh, Summer as a songwriting team. Uh, Marauder and Ballant did produce it, and Peter Ballant did write the lyrics. But uh, Harold Faltemeyer, uh, English producer and keyboardist, who would have a uh, U.S. charted hit in 1984 from Beverly Hills Cop uh, called uh, Axel F, uh, instrumental. And Keith Forsey, uh, also, he was another English musician who played on it. And believe this or not, a member of the Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan, Jeff Skunk Baxter, played the guitar riff on that. Yes. <laughs> And that happened. Following that uh, was the second song on that album, um, and that was uh, uh, Bad Girls. <laughs> I'm really out of it today. And this is interesting. Uh, producers, again, were Ballant and Marauder, but the songwriters were, and this is something a lot of people don't know, Donna Summer uh, wrote a great, much, many songs, many of her hits and other songs in her career, believe this or not. Um, when she sued... Um, Universal, uh, you know, to try and get out of their contract, Casablanca and all that. Um, she didn't get any money, but she did get to keep all her songwriting publishing, yes, which can become very, very lucrative. And the songwriters on that were Donna Summer, Bruce Sedano, Eddie uh, Hawkson, and, um, excuse me, Eddie Hawkinson, and Joe Esposito. And you're going to be hearing about them in a while. Um, those, uh, those men uh, were in a group called Brooklyn Dreams, uh, and Donna Summer's label, Casablanca, was distributing the label they were on, Millennium. And um, one of the members, Bruce Sedano, um, started dating Summer, eventually became her husband, father to her children. Yes, I know. Love, love, love. Following that, Rumor Has It and I Love You, both from 1977's Once Upon a Time, her very first double album, uh, four in a row. And the song we just heard, um, With Your Love from 1978 from the Thank God It's Friday soundtrack, Extended Mix. Now, if you owned the vinyl album of this, that song was about half its length. But if you had the A-track or the cassette, I had the A-track. I'm pretty sure I had the A-track. It was either the cassette. It's been a few years. Um, that was the version you heard. It was to kind of even it out because it had five sides of material instead of the usual six. And there you have it. Yes. Um, and... We're going to be kicking off our next uh, next part of the show with the title track to her fourth number uh, fourth double album and fourth number uh, third number one album in a row fourth double album in a row again I'm really not with it and it was originally in the soundtrack to the film Foxes which starred a very young hard to believe we were that young Jodie Foster and eventually included on the on the radio um, album and it was the very again this show is nothing but firsts um, on the radio was the first greatest hit set to be complete have all the tracks completely remixed for the release yes. Uh, something that continues to this day with a lot of artists. And um, we will see you uh, after On the Radio. You're going to get ready for the uh, disco magnum opus tour de force that it is. And uh, we'll be talking about that just before the grand finale.
Now 
Lower down. 
Welcome back, Children of the Revolution. Woo! Can you believe it? Oh, my God. That was 18 minutes of fun. When was the last time you had 18 minutes of fun? I think you just did, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to what you're not listening to. You're an Ace of Spades, PDX, and I'm still the um, probably certifiable Daddy Ben Bear, Ben Brown Jr. doing it all here on the DIY. And on the first day of summer, featuring the queen of the doubles, Donna Summer herself, by request, sort of, kind of, maybe. From Barbara in Des Moines, Iowa. My dear, I hope you are having a lovely, lovely first day of summer. Hopefully, uh, this will be all you wish it to be. Let's recap. We've heard in the uh, second part, which only contained, in a sense, two songs, but really six. Started off with On the Radio from 79. And after that was the MacArthur's Park Suite. And this is the only... Um, this is the only song suite from a from a, a pop album to ever spawn two top five hits. Uh, the first one was MacArthur's Park, um, and that was uh, written by Jimmy Webb back in 1968. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. It was Donna's uh, first number one single. Following that was One of a Kind and uh, Heaven Knows, uh, which were written by the songwriting production team of Balot, Marauder, and Summer. And Heaven Knows features, you'll love this, Brooklyn Dreams. Yes, uh, as the backing vocal said, the lead you hear there is Joe Esposito. Um, members of that band went on to record, uh, write for, uh, for many, many other big-name stars, including Dolly Parton, Michael Jackson, and uh, Reba McIntyre. And, of course, the MacArthur's Park reprise. And for those of you who may or may not have heard the original, it was done by a man named Richard Harris, and he was uh, a well-known and well-loved uh, stage and um Screen actor, things like Doctor the original Doctor Doolittle. Uh, he was in Camelot. Um, for our sci-fi fantasy geek people, uh, he was also the first Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter films. Yes, um, he recorded this, and it was very, very dour. Right, it was presented to him by a songwriter Jimmy Webb, and um, it was long, and it was an unusual choice for a single. Got all the way to number two in the United States. Uh, it, once you hear it, you never forget it because it is just something else. The band decided to turn it completely on its head, and this is the way the story goes. Speaking of eight tracks. Um, Georgia Maroder really wanted to do a radical reworking of this song um, and asked for a copy of it. And Neil Bogart, the head of Casablanca, gave him a copy on an A track. <laughs> and that happened. And this also happened to be Jimmy Webb's only number one single. Yes. Um, how big was Donna Summer during this period? 
She's the uh, – and Dick Clark used to talk about this. In the 40 years, you know, when he was doing it back in Philadelphia and then again nationally for over 30-some-odd years uh, doing American Bandstand, there was never any other guest host other than Summer. And it's because she asked him. And because – because, love, one of the acts she introduces on the show is Brooklyn Dreams. Oh, God. I know. Ah, stop. I'm getting misty. But, yeah, maybe I am a little. I just think that's absolutely beautiful. Yes. Um, now – and our last song here um, was written by a man named Paul Jabara. And this is The Way the Universe Works. Um, for those of you who remember one of our Broadway shows we did a little over a year ago, Paul Jabara was in the original Broadway cast of Hair. Yes. Um, and wrote this song. He was openly gay, uh, wrote for all the big art, uh, name artists, especially females, during the late 70s and early 80s. Um, you know, Bette Midler, uh, Barbra Streisand. With the girls, Dinah Ross, you name it. Um, and like I said, he died of AIDS in the mid-80s. And um, it's a shame because uh, he and Donna were so very, very uh, tight, especially on this song. And the film soundtrack, uh, again, was a success. But the film itself was so horribly, horribly maligned, you know. And that is the one thing I don't get about people, right? I'm like, this film wasn't supposed to be Citizen Kane. All right, <laughs> let's just throw that out there. <laughs> It's one night at a disco. It's 1978. Just have a good time, right? Um, Leonard Maltin, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, called it possibly the the worst film to ever win an Academy Award. And that song that Donna sings next won the Academy Award for Best Song for Paul Jabbar. Yes. And it typically, and it, it, it's an obvious choice here, right, for our summer fans, because it typically is the last song on any dance or disco compilation or compilation of the era. Um, even Casablanca Records, which released a four-CD set, which oddly did not feature Kiss, but that's as an aside, um, picked it as the last song. It was primarily in chronological order, except for this one, and for damn good reason. It encapsulates so much of what made Donna great. And if you have questions, feedback, comments, dedications, love letters, requests are always welcome. Please drop me a line. Daddy Bember, one word, daddybember.gmail.com, because this show is by request. Love to you all. From the Thank God It's Friday soundtrack from 1978, this is Last Dance. Yeah.
my last. 